This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and you're listening to the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help pediatric therapists become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. On this show, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians and educators feel more confident in the way that they serve their caseloads so they can help school-age kids grow up to be successful, kind, well-adjusted people. It's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 80 of the Are They 18 Yet podcast. I have a very special interview today with my friend and mentor, and I guess you could call her, and business consultant, Stephanie Hayes. In the summer of 2022, I decided to launch the School of Clinical Leadership program. This is a program that I have been... It's essentially been in my head for the last five years or so, but I haven't quite been able to articulate what it was and how to deliver it. And I'd worked with a bunch of different coaches and consultants and taken a bunch of business courses and was really going around in circles. And so I hired Stephanie to essentially help pull the idea out of me so that I could bring it to life. And so during the course of the launch process, when I was creating the program, when I was creating all the marketing materials for the program, when I was creating the event that is designed to lead people into the program and really give them a taste for what is in store for them when they join, as we built all these things, we decided to document it in a weekly Facebook Live session that went live in a bunch of the Facebook groups that I admin, as well as my YouTube channel, and as well as some of Stephanie's channels as well. And essentially what we did is just give everyone a peek behind the scenes of the development of the program, share a little bit about why I designed it the way that I have, who it's for, some of the challenges, questions, struggles, 
some of the work that I had to do internally and as well as the actual tactical implementation. So we just wanted to document it. And also part of this is a micro experiment, which we actually talk about in this episode. So it's very meta. These episodes are actually designed to help me practice talking about what I do because being able to talk about what you do and sell it to other people so that they want to work with you, whether it be in an actual business setting when you're selling something or whether you are a clinician and you are employed for someone, but you have to sell someone on an idea or a project or a particular strategy, all of that is really important. Getting that clear message down is really key. And so part of this was practice for me in that realm. So I wanted to share this episode in particular because we dive into the concept of the micro experiment and how I coined that term, how I developed it, and some of the thought processes that went behind it, as well as the thought process that is behind the development of the Clinical Leadership Roundtable, which is a free ongoing event for clinicians that is designed to help them map out their career path and create some micro experiments that help them to launch the next stage of their career, as well as why I designed the School of Clinical Leadership. The School of Clinical Leadership is a program that helps pediatric clinicians launch and execute on the next stage of their career so that they can serve in a way that helps them feel aligned and fulfilled in their work. If you are interested in checking out the Clinical Leadership Roundtable, then go to drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash leadership roundtable. Again, that's drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash leadership roundtable. Again, this is an ongoing event for pediatric clinicians who want to map out the next stage of their career journey. So if you are a speech pathologist, an OT, a PT, a music therapist, a social worker, a psychologist, or other specialized service provider, and you love what you do, but you think that you could be doing more as far as the way that you provide your services, and you want to explore other ways that you can be of service, then definitely check out the roundtable. And then to get more information about the School of Clinical Leadership, you're going to want to go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash leadership. Before we get going, I had to share a little bit about Stephanie. So some of Stephanie's clients share that she is kind of like the business partner that you don't have or that you wish you had. So before I started working with Stephanie, we actually have worked together multiple times over the years, and she has saved me from self-sabotaging and doing things that make me miserable so many times. I actually talk a little bit about one of those situations in this interview, but Stephanie is a business strategist, but her specialization is really helping people build businesses from the ground up, and one of the specific strategies that she focuses on is building assets that help you to create an impact with your services. So this could be services, products, programs that you offer. So it really falls in line with this whole concept of being creative with the way that you provide services. And obviously, Stephanie focuses on all kinds of businesses, not just clinical businesses like mine. I know she has a couple clients who are therapists, 
But what she is really amazing at is really believing in her clients and really seeing the potential when you don't necessarily see it in yourself and pulling it out of you so that you can see what's actually possible. This whole process has been such a journey for me. I had to just, we had to have so many discussions back and forth and really getting clear on the ideas. And this program would definitely not be possible. It would not be here if it wasn't for her. So, um, Deciding to work with Stephanie again for the second time this year is definitely one of the best decisions that I've made for my business. So without further ado, we will get to the interview with Stephanie Hayes, where we talk about micro experiments, self-talk, and all other kinds of internal struggles that we have to work through when we are building big ideas. All right. Yay. We're getting closer. Yeah. Getting closer. I'm excited for you. Me too. I'm excited for you because I know how much has happened in your sort of journey and your transformation and all of the like the stuff that you have started to learn about yourself and about, um, you know, honing in on what this is and how it aligns with what you want. So I like I'm excited for that part. But yeah, people see like the tip of the iceberg, right? And, mm-hmm. and when we finally go live, it's going to be really exciting. Um, one of the things that came up this week, which I thought was super interesting, and that I know has been a, like a real part of your sort of journey in your past, was this this narrative that you were telling around how you got to where you are. Yeah. And one of the things that you used in order to get to where you are was like a strategy of micro experiments. And Mm. I thought this was super interesting because what it does is it actually is really relevant to whether you're going through your career shift or whether you're actually building a business or whatever it is that you're doing in your life. We think that we need to have it all figured out before we do anything. We think we have to make these big momentous. This is the first step. But what you actually did just sort of intuitively when you were trying to figure out your own path as an SLP was you you tried all these different directions, right? You kind of like did these little micro experiments and you, you tried here, you tried there. And that is what we're all doing on a regular basis. And I think we talk ourselves out of it and we try to tell ourselves that that's not the way we're supposed to do it, but actually that's the most effective way to get from where you are to where you want to be. So I want to hear more about your experience in building those kind of micro experience experiments and what, how that helped you get where you wanted to go faster, sooner, more accurately. Like how did that happen? So the whole purpose behind it with, which I, as you said, was doing intuitively without realizing it, there's actually three things. So there's number one, figuring out what direction you want to go in your career and seeing because sometimes you really don't know what you're going to like until you try it. There's like it's some TED talk out there. It, I, some some smart person said one time, don't follow your passion, let your passion follow you. So of course, you have your interests, you have your things that are meaningful to you based on your past experiences. 
But sometimes we really don't know how much we are going to like or dislike something until we try it. So that's the the, the first part of it, which is sort of the main part of it. But then there's there's other things that it does for you as well. The second thing is that many times when you want to make a leap, a lot of times people feel this whole catch-22 of, I don't have experience doing the thing, so I feel like I'm not qualified for it. But the only way to get experience doing the thing is to just do it. But from a job prospect perspective, sometimes it can actually be hard to get hired for something if you don't have experience doing it. And I'm using big air quotes there. So what the micro experiment can do is start to build up that portfolio of experience now in the position that you're currently in, whether it's a formal, you know, official job that you're going to do, whether it's just um, you know, starting a business like a private practice, whether it is shifting to a new setting or using your transferable skills that you learned as a clinician to something that's not clinical. I know like my mother-in-law is a nurse and she does some kind of a, like an admin type of job in more of a corporate setting using her skills that she had as a clinician. So she, you know, again, there's there's all different ways that you can look at this, but that's the second thing is that you're also building your experience and you're learning ways to sell yourself. You're building up that portfolio. And a lot of times people are doing this intuitively without realizing it, and they don't realize how much experience they actually have. But if they do it more strategically, that they, they can actually seek out and try to create some of these experiences if they actually start to think about what might they want to do. And again, it's it's an experiment. You never know for sure. You're going on your theory of what you think you might like. And it's exploratory. But at the same time, you are strategically moving towards something instead of doing it haphazardly. So that's the second thing. You know, there's exploring your career options, building your portfolio of experience. And then finally, the other thing, which, you know, if you're um, for therapists, and I think this could apply to, you know, anybody who's doing um, in a role where they're being of service to other people, these things that you do as micro experiments can help you to serve the people that you're serving now at the same time. So it's really a win for everybody. When I was in the school systems, all the things that I did were things that would help me to, you know, think about the next stage of my career, but also it was helping the students and the the facility and the school, like the, the staff that I was currently in. So it was really helping everyone. And I think that um, that's really important for this particular group of people because that's the whole point of why they decided to be therapists in the first place. So that's really the whole idea behind it. Um, I could get into some more specific micro experiments. Um, some of them are things that I sort of created for myself and some of them were more official jobs that were more short term um, some of them were even job interviews, shadowing someone, um, you know, like there's all different ways that you can approach this to kind of explore different things. And yeah, I, I will, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say like, it, it's such a slippery slope of there were certain things that I didn't go that direction because some things I'm like, I hate this. Like I legitimately this. When I first started working with you, I had this whole consulting setup 
it's a great business model, but I hated it. And I was bad at it. I worked so hard to try to get good at it. And you were finally like, just stop your mission. <laughs> you know, like, I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. and it's a great model for some people. It just really did not work well for me specifically. Yes. Um, so sometimes you have things where you're like, hell no. And sometimes you have things where you're trying a bunch of things and one thing sticks and the other things don't. And it's not that the other things are bad or wrong for you specifically, but maybe they just didn't stick right away. And maybe if you would have kept going that direction, you could have made it work. There are a lot of things that I did where it just didn't quite stick yet, but it could have, but I had this other thing that just was pulling me in this direction. So it you know, again, that experiment was the one that was working. So that's the one I leaned into, which was the online courses and mentoring SLPs online in an online business model. But I had these other things that I was doing. I was looking into higher ed positions, leadership positions. And I actually had a couple things where I could have kept going and I probably could have been successful and happy if I would have kept going. I just chose not to do it. So sometimes you don't have this clear delineation of, this isn't going to work. Sometimes it's just a choice. And you can always choose to build one bridge and then maybe come back to these other things where it was like, maybe I just didn't give it enough time. So there is this concept of, you know, like building, building one bridge at a time, you can't, you know, you can kind of experiment. And if one thing is working, you can go that way, do that, you know, get good at it, get it kind of set up. And then you can start to explore these other things. Because a lot of times, people don't have just one thing that they do. Maybe they have one thing that they're focusing on building at a time, but then they can kind of eventually redirect their energy to somewhere else. Or what I thought I might want to do was do something like um, start the online stuff, get that build up, built up, because that was something that would be a little more feasible schedule-wise because I was working full-time in the schools while I was building it. And then it's like, oh, well, once I build this and you know, that's bringing in enough income that I can leave the school, I could start taking private clients, and I'd have more flexibility during the day. That's not what I chose to do. But it's it was an idea on the table, I could, I could do it, I could start doing it now if I wanted to, you know, there's, there's other options there. And, and so and that's kind of the um, exploratory process we went through this, this summer. So again, the whole yeah. thing that it's, you know, it's about curiosity and exploration and um, just kind of being open to things because I will say that what I thought I was going to be doing when I graduated, um, what, what was my dream job when I was 22 is nowhere near what I'm doing now. But that makes sense because we don't know ourselves that well, right? Yeah. And I, I know I, that like this is the first thing I do with every one of my clients is we, we come back to who are you? What do you want? What is like, you know, burning up for you? And sometimes it's actually really hard to find that, right? Because people can't always answer that question directly, partially because we don't get taught to focus on ourselves. We get taught to fit into some little like framework, right? Yeah. This is probably true for your profession. It's probably true for most people's professions yeah. that this is the way things are supposed to be. And so the idea that we can ask for what we really want is so foreign to us that we don't even know what that is, right? We don't even know. We just sort of follow paths. So I would suggest that when you're in your early 20s, it's actually really 
it's like a shot in the dark, right? It's a guess. And I do think you need to go through all of these. I love this idea of these micro experiments, especially when you're building a business, because um, this is what I do with my clients. Like we, we, we go in this direction, then we go in this direction, then we go this direction. We go and only by experiencing. In fact, I have one client that we were very intentionally doing this with right now, where we are intentionally like asking all the questions and then going and taking action against each one of these questions until she finds what those edges are, until she finds what her business really needs to be because she has lots of ideas. And the only way she's going to know is by doing these little experiments. They're not huge investments. They're not like going to put her out one way or the other. She's just like feeling around them. And some of them she's like, mm, no. And then yeah. some of them she's like, this is really interesting. I could see this being something in like six months that I'd be interested in pursuing. And so I would be really curious to know how you chose your experiments. Like what did you, what got you to the place where you're like, ah, oh, I'm going to try this. Oh man, there's so many different variables. So sometimes it was um, just, some of them just fall in your lap and you just say yes or no. Like I really was uh, strongly considering a career in higher ed so with anything in education, there's a specific window of time because of the semesters where you're going to be hired. Um, but sometimes if you you can be a little more strategic about it, if you have contacts um, with adjunct assignments, that's a good way to see if you are if you like the university setting. And so I did do some things, you know, I had some contacts and um, I but then people reached out to me. And I just said, yes. And then I said, hey, I'm interested in continuing. And so those were a couple things that just sort of, I wouldn't say they fell in my lap because a lot of times you do stuff like they wouldn't have asked me if I hadn't have done something and had some relationships with people. Um, one of them came about from a university that's in another state. Um, I actually, it was all remote and uh, it was just somebody that I had collaborated with. I helped him with the research project during, uh, our graduate work because we went through the same doctoral program and and he reached out to me. So years later, you know, <laughs> that came back. Um, so there's certain things that just sort of came up. Um, but then there's other things where I had to be a little more strategic about it. Um, how I did it specifically was that I was working on my doctoral program in special ed and I was getting the director of special ed credential at the same time. Actually, I added the special ed credential later, which meant I could be a special ed administrator because in my doctoral classes, I actually really liked some of the stuff that was more administrative. So it was sort of like an unintentional experiment where it was like, oh, I really like this. Maybe I'll add this other thing. But then once I knew I wanted to do that, I would have these class assignments and I would always try to figure out a way that I could do something that was number one, something that my administrators kind of needed to be done that needed to be taken off of their plate that I could do that could be helpful in my district so that I could do some different things that I wouldn't normally do in my job role, but that still kind of made sense. I like to say it wasn't outside the box. It was kind of on the edges of the box where it was like, you know, a little bit, a little bit outside the norm, but not totally crazy. Um, so I could still sell it to them. And so I was completing my course requirements. I was doing something helpful for my caseload, for my administrators. 
and also building up that portfolio of experience. So it was like, I always looked for ways that I could kill multiple birds with one stone and just lean into these opportunities that I was already pursuing. So that is, uh, that's one way that I did it. Um, sometimes it, I would have things that weren't for a class where I was just kind of like, I see a problem that needs to be fixed. and I'm going to go fix it, even though it's not technically my job. Um, I like to think about, uh, I'm trying to think of some specific, you know, tools and resources that might be out there. In, the, in Seth Godin's book, Lynchpin, he always kind of talks about how you can be the linchpin. You can always be that person who steps up and, and does things and is helpful and sort of goes above and beyond your role. And a lot of times those people who are linchpins then just, you know, like they're really good at their job, but a lot of times they are the people who get, start to move up the ladder. So I would try to look for opportunities to do that where I was currently working. Um, so those were some ways that I approached it. It was always a combination of just thinking about it, planting seeds, being open to things that came my way, looking for ways that I could be multifunctional in what I was doing and just be a little bit more purposeful about the direction I was going with the stuff that I always, always had to do. But one of the things that I, like, it seems so obvious. And I say this to the clinicians that I am mentoring, if they want to be more persuasive and have more impact on the way things are done in their facilities, in their current position, and if they want to be seen as more of a leader and considered for something, you know, in the future, um, just like, be helpful. I know that's kind of obvious. But a lot of times, if you're just like, what needs to be done? And let me figure out how I can tie that into something that is a skill that I have rather than trying to like superimpose this idea of what you think your role should be. Um, what do you think gets in the way of people being doing experiments though? Um, I think that sometimes one thing I know, which is just sort of an obvious thing is just time and energy. A lot of times they're just, there, the idea of thinking about that does require require you to create some space to be creative. And if you are really tired and just overwhelmed, it can be really hard to even get your brain to even think about that. And if you try to force it without giving yourself a little space to make it happen, it can be really, you can get really stuck. It's like, like writer's block. But, you know, again, writer's block is really just that you're not creating the space to allow yourself to go through that internal process that needs to happen. Because whenever we sit down to do something creative, like like writing, for example, um, I would place this type of thing that this idea of planning and brainstorming and um, doing these micro experiments, it sounds scientific, but it's also an art and you do need to give yourself that time and that space to think about it. And if you can't get into that mindset, then it's going to be really hard to do that. So that's actually why one of the first things that I am going to teach people in the program is just sort of this overview of this concept of service delivery. But then I start with productivity because it's not super sexy but you have to just get that stuff out of the way to create space for the other stuff. So that's probably 
one big thing. And then I think the other thing is just that sometimes it can be hard to like, if you've just been trained to look at something in a certain way, it does take you a little bit more work and some external facilitation from other people and, you know, just some bouncing around of ideas in order for you to just train yourself to think a little bit differently about things. And then there's this whole idea of asking for permission, which happens sometimes in these clinical positions where you feel like you have to have someone just telling you what to do and you have to wait for people to, you know, tell you that you can do things. And it's just not true. I think that a lot of times, even when I mentor clinicians, it's like, oh, my administrator wants me to do it this way. And I'm like, do they really? Or like, did you just like, I always like to challenge that because sometimes they're, they're right. And you know, the person is really trying to micromanage them. But a lot of times it's like a lack of communication where it's just, they're, the administrator is busy. They are not thinking about things from your perspective. And, um, sometimes if you take the time to open the dialogue, you realize that you're, you're kind of more on the same page and you can, you can do have a little bit more input. Well, a lot more input than you really thought you could. It's a lot of times just a lack of communication and just not yeah. fully understanding, you know, where everybody's coming from sometimes. So yeah, I, I, that. I think there's another piece of this and this pertains to like everybody. Um, that that we think that if we're going to do something, we have to do it like fully all in. Like oh, yeah. if I'm going to try this, that means I'm going to uh, in that direction and committing to that direction is a big leap of faith. Right. But yeah. what I love about the idea of these micro experiments is like their little toes in the water. Yeah. That yeah. is a, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that no. is a, that yeah. is a uh, huge thing. So this, and this, field specifically, um, there are some adventurous types, but there are a lot who are, you know, like, this isn't the entrepreneur mindset where it's like leap and the net will appear. I mean, some people think like that, but a lot of people care about security and they want career stability. They want to be able to explore without, you know, doing something crazy. And so, yeah, that it's, it's a little bit of a black or white thinking where it's like, I can't just do it a little bit. I have to, you know, go all in. I know that sometimes people who are starting a private practice, like that's one of the mindset shifts that I've seen being taught where it's like, you can kind of start up on the side. And and this doesn't just apply to private practice. I just, that's an obvious example, but there are a lot of other ways that you can do it outside that private practice model where you can start to do these mini experiments, see what you like. Um, and even even generate some income too, um, you know. A lot of these don't may not at first, but but they can potentially. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think you necessarily have to be like an entrepreneur or have no. an entrepreneurial you know model that you're working towards. I think that you can you can innovate and you can experiment within your existing roles and within existing constraints, yeah. and you know find that place for yourself. And I think like this has a lot to do with how you think about yourself and how you sort of show up as a person in your role. And this is a lot of like kind of what you're talking about in terms of developing internal leadership, right? And you sent me a quote today that just made me go, Ugh! 
because yeah. the same thing for you. What was yeah. it like? I, I'm trying to, I'll paraphrase, but it was something like, what would people think if they knew how you thought about yourself? It was, do you believe people would think differently about you if they knew how you talk to yourself? <laughs> from my uh, former, again, from another uh, uh, person who was a clinician and went outside the traditional uh, career path. <laughs> yeah. So kind of ironic, but yeah. So let's unpack that. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> because it's a- relevant to the conversations that you're having and the, yeah. and like the stuff that you were creating for this new program, it's so like different than what you have done in the past And it really is digging into this shift in how we think about ourselves because everything now is focused on how we progress, how we grow either inside our roles, outside our roles, into new versions of our roles, whatever that might be. And that's what this whole program, like what it's wrapped up in. And so a lot of that comes back to how we think about ourselves and how we talk about ourselves to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this has sort of been an ongoing thing my entire life. I was just thinking about my my ice skating coach uh, when I was like, what, grade school, who used to tell me, be nice to Karen. Um, she was one of the only people who knew how to get me, get me calm when I was, you know, needed to be talked off the ledge, freaking out about something. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I think there's, there's a process, there's a learning curve, there's a period of discomfort. And I'm just, I'm in there right now. So it's something new. It's something that everybody who will be going through this process will, will be working through. So I do think that it's the, I mean, it, it, I've always thought it was kind of woo woo, but I think it's true where it, you do have to think about your identity and it's not it actions and identity kind of go together. And there's this whole reciprocal thing where it's like, which one do you start with? Is it the chicken or the egg? And I think it can kind of go both ways, but I think really the whole concept of like being a leader to yourself, to others, that's a really big shift to make because when you think like that, then you stop thinking that you have to be told to do something and that you have to be given permission to do something. You just, you know, you find a way to make it happen. You trust yourself because a lot of times people don't do it because they think, am I going to be doing something wrong? Am I going to get in trouble? But when you really trust your knowledge and your skills and yourself, you know, I'm doing something that's helping people. So why would I like, what is there to worry about? You know, from an ethical standpoint. Yeah. And I like, obviously nobody's, you know, going to go off and break laws or, right. you know, yeah. well, regular. you know, compliance, that is a thing. Um, that yeah. is definitely a thing that comes up with like professional licensure. And that is something that is very frustrating in entrepreneur groups. When you're a therapist who has a licensure in a state and people are like, just do it this way. And you're like, I don't want to lose my license and all of this stuff. So that is another reason why I thought this needs, we need something specifically for people who understand education and healthcare and, and the clinical sphere. 
Yeah. And, and like, we're kind of dancing around the issue, but like, let's, let's go right to the heart of it. So I think you, I actually think you do a really good job of recognizing and managing the effects of the way we think about ourselves. Right. And if anybody could hear what goes on in my head, I'm like, that would be the worst marketing tool ever. So I I don't think that, I don't Uh, think the goal is not to not have crappy thoughts, but the goal is to recognize, or sorry, recognize what they are, Mm -hmm. recognize where they might come from and decide what, if anything, we do about them. Right. Mm -hmm. And the internal dialogue, if there is a, if there is misalignment between what you say to yourself and what you say to others, this is never going to sound authentic, right? You are never going to show up to people and make them believe in the things that you're trying to help them believe. Mm-hmm. So we don't get away from this, you know, we're not trying to eliminate it, but we're trying to over time, you know, shift our own beliefs in our, in ourselves by recognizing what, by recognizing that they come from somewhere and what purpose they have for us. Cause most of the time they're trying to keep us safe. Right. Yeah. And trying new things results in the same adrenaline rush in our body as like being chased by a lion. Right. Mm-hmm. And so our body has, hasn't yet learned how to distinguish between the adrenaline rush from trying something new and that has ambiguity and the adrenaline rush that comes from being unsafe. Yeah. Right. And so because you do a pretty good job of this, what have you employed? Like, how do you think about that stuff that comes up where we're, you know, those, that, that self-talk that, may get in the way of you moving forward, especially in these experiments? Um, I really have to surround myself and put my, with the right people and put myself in the right place because um, I can do a lot of work independently, um, but I still sometimes can self-sabotage and get frustrated when yeah there's there's been a couple times with this specific project you know I, I like i would i would start and i would stop and with this 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 program it is one of the micro experiments and i think that a lot of times i doubted myself because it wasn't quite fully clear and i just kept stopping so maybe, maybe that was the right thing for me to do at the time because it wasn't fully working and maybe it was right for me to build all these other things and do all these other things before I, maybe that, you know, maybe that was just part of the process, but yeah, I think it's really good to surround yourself with people who understand how to reframe that for you and keep you focused 
which is kind, which is why I were reached out to you specifically because I know that you are all about individualizing things, and you are at the same time like not woo woo, you know. I mean that's, but at the same time you can still be. What's the word? You can think expansively without it just being total bullshit. I mean, to be honest, because some of this other stuff, it was like either super Debbie Downer or super fluffy, fluffy, like follow your dreams, blah, 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 with like no specific strategies. And you just you really need this blend of being pragmatic and realistic and preparing, but also still being over here and allowing yourself to dream. It's sort of this weird paradox. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. Um, a lot of people that sell services to help you with things like that don't know how to do it. So um, I think that sometimes you just have to like some of my many experiments were people, you know, hiring coaches and, you know, consultants and taking courses and testing different approaches. And if, you know, those were all many experiments, you know, where I built skills and learned a way to do things and it, so some of it worked, some of it didn't. So um, I think that, I think that one of my, just, just the, the, the quest for knowledge and research is, is I would say one of my things that is a, that's a huge, yeah, that's, that's a huge motivator for you. Yeah, it is. Um, just to always know and to always be learning about things. Um, because when, even though I may have, you know, self-sabotaged or, you know, gotten frustrated, the, the quest to always want to know more always would lead me, you know, it did eventually lead me to the right places, the right people. And I do think that you have to just go like approach things and just think that the right system, the right person to support me or whatever, like they're, they're there. I'm going to find them. It might not be this thing right now, but it's there. I'm going to find the thing or the person or the whoever. So and sometimes it's timing, like four yeah. years ago, you and I were talking about, you know, and dancing around some of this stuff, but it wasn't, it wasn't right, the right time, right? It wasn't yeah. the right time to move into this, this new phase. And I, I kept coming back to it. And I guess sometimes maybe that's the process, you know, some of your experiments, it might be like, something can be a hell no, or something can be a not now, you know? Yes. Sometimes that's um, that's how it is. I have a lot of things that are uh, I'm not now right now that I'm like, Ugh, can we can we get going so I can do this? Thing? <laughs> I know that it's not uh, like my podcast, which, you know, again, I did I did uh, direct some attention to it for a while, but then I had to kind of put it on autopilot so I could focus on this other thing. And I'm like, I want to work on this, but we're doing this now. So. It's it's also, this informs that, right? Like yeah. there's, there's, I think that when, 
you finally turn your attention to the podcast, it will be with a whole bunch of new information that mm-hmm. and it'll help refine it, right? So we have a really, really like we all get ahead of ourselves really, really easily and really quickly. And that's the yeah. sort of the cautionary note with all the experimentation is like you're gathering evidence and then you're going to put all of these things into an order that sort of feels right for you. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm the same way, like with my own business, I am this is my year of like moving into what's right. And I've been dancing around it for probably seven or eight years, maybe even was funny. I actually was talking to uh, Natalie. So my, one of my best mm-hmm. friends and, and we talk every day, she knows everything about me. We've t- talked every day for years. And, um, and I was, I don't even remember why I was telling her about like one of my earliest experiences in a job which I haven't had a job in a, like 20 years. I don't even know what that's like anymore, but <laughs> it was one of my first jobs. And when I started telling her about it, it was some story I got like excited. Like I was like, I had that feeling again where I was just like, Oh, Oh my gosh, I love this because that in that role, I was put into like this director role really early on. I was quite young and I worked for a, a, a company that was incubating companies and we were building companies for sale. And I would put all of the pieces together. Like I, like they just kind of gave me free reign. They were like, go do like, make this happen. And these were multi-million dollar like investments, right? Building these businesses. And it was the most exciting, rewarding, fun, interesting, like passionate work I've ever done and here I am 20 years later, you know, maybe 20, 25 years later, yeah. where I've come full circle to this place where I'm like, what I really love is incubating and building and like crafting these new companies with the intention of exits. And I'm like, oh, when I was talking to Natalie, I was like, oh, <laughs> well, it's because that's where I started. And that's what I loved. And I I ignored it for so long, right? I ignored Mm -hmm. it. It was like it sat dormant for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly here we are, right? So these things like they do, they kind of sit dormant. And and I think maybe if I had pursued it at the time, it wouldn't have been the right time because I needed to develop all this experience and all of this education and all of this stuff till now I'm actually in the position to know enough to be able to make that my thing. Yeah. Right. And so here we see so here, like, this is, this is the process we go through and the not right now is as good an answer as yes or no. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so tell me a little bit more about how we're going to build this in to the program. Yeah. Um, as far as the, the, the not right now and the exploration, Um, so in the event that is going to lead people into the program and enroll them, we are taking them through a process of self-discovery and then they're going to use that to figure out like, you know, what, what skills they already have based on their discipline, based on their background, based on whatever their experiences are, whether it be based on their specific clinical background or whether it be just because of other experiences that they've had, other talents that they have, who they want to work with, how they want to work, considering all the factors, you know, not just 
what they think is the way that they're supposed to go, but how they really want to work and really getting clear on that. Because I think that that like you have to you you have to be open to things. You have to be open to possibilities that you don't know. You know, you don't know if you're going to like it unless you try it. But if you don't have that clarity on like, this is how I like to work. It's really hard to prioritize and make decisions because sometimes like it is really hard to figure out and get things exactly the way that you envisioned it when you created this brainstorm self-discovery plan. And a lot of times that self-discovery is based on what you know now. And sometimes when you experiment, you realize that there might be other ways that you might like it. So there has to be that that balance between the two things. So what I want to guide people through is using that, but then also creating this, this matrix and these options that they explore to kind of match it up to what they thought. And so it's really their testing theories about what they think they might want, what they, you know, where they want to go. And then, you know, with this whole brainstorming process, identifying these micro experiments that they can do. And in the actual program itself, there are some specific tactics. There are some specific tools. Because this is about pediatric clinicians, there are certain topics that are relevant for all of them to be considering when they're thinking about how they can be of service. One of the things that I have a big suite of courses on is executive functioning, because that's one of those things that I see as like this umbrella that impacts a lot of clinical areas. So that's one lens that I want them to be, to be thinking through as they're thinking about how they can be of service as a clinician. But again, they're able to kind of customize how that looks for them. And the whole concept of, you know, as they're doing this exploration process, the concept of planning for service delivery rather than planning for therapy, because then you're thinking bigger picture about meeting the needs of kids on your caseload now and in your community, because that's what can kind of help this, um, the the whole creative process of what can I actually do with my skills? And that's what can help you kind of think about more specific things that you could be doing to, you know, offer a service, whether it be things that you could do as a micro experiment in your facility now to, you know, for all the reasons that I mentioned, Um, And then also whether it be things, actual services that you offer as like a self-employed person. So that's the concept of service delivery, the concept of exploration and micro experiments. And then the other things that are going to be layered in there, obviously, we have tools for productivity because you need to be able to create the space to make this happen. Um, And then the other thing is um, that the focus on leadership and reform, because that's when you're thinking about how to actually deliver these services, you do have to think about how to be persuasive, how to build relationships and how to sell yourself. So there's going to be a whole section on leadership and reform. And I actually haven't built that yet. That is what these roundtable discussions that I'm going to be creating are going to be about. And that's what's going to be the ongoing content. So what I have now are some of the core basics about service delivery, um, productivity, the executive functioning. Um, And so those sections can be added and expanded on. Um, The other thing that I have in there under service delivery is the concept of 
um, assets and leverage, because that's a big thing as far as just like creating tools for yourself to make these things happen. So those are sort of some of the core tenets and tools that I'm actually going to be teaching people to use as they apply whatever uh, to their specific tactics. But the um, kind of the intro event is about the self-discovery and mapping out some of those possibilities. And then the program itself is expanding on that and giving people some specific tools and also a community to make that happen. And I will say, like, I... For a long time, I had this thing in my head, like, I like to fly solo, I don't need help. But I just, like I said, I wouldn't, if we were not working together, I don't even know, like, we talked about this yesterday. It's like, if we, if, what would I be doing if we, I hadn't have, like, had somebody to talk me off the ledge and keep me going. And so just the, there there has to be this blend of of self-reflection, but also using other people, because a lot of times they can help you see the, your blind spots. And so that's why, yeah. you know, that's why there's the community. That's why I'm offering this as a person who's gone through this process. And hopefully, you know, again, it, it, we're creating the community because there'll be other people with, with experiences that are going to come into the program as members as well. So, I, and I think that's really interesting. Like, I think that's such an interesting part of the whole design is like, I think that each of these, um, these clinicians are used to being around each other. Yep. But not across the disciplines. Right. And oh, I, I think there's that so is... much to learn, you know, mm-hmm. and so much innovation that can happen and so many like understandings that can develop and support that can develop through those relationships and through that communication. Yeah. Speaking of going back to something a passion that was lying dormant, you know, being a self-employed person and not working on a team. Like when I was in the schools, the days that we would have brainstorming sessions with the team were my favorite days. Yeah. I'm crazy. Cause I liked IEP meetings, not yeah. necessarily the paperwork, but I legitimately looked forward to IEP days. Cause that's when we would have that group discussion and collaboration. And so I'm just yeah. itching to do that again. Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait. Okay. So what's on tap for the next week? Cause we're inching towards your launch. Yep. We're inching towards the, the round table event, which I think is going to be really cool, but that's like pre pre launch of the program. So what do you got going on? Um, so I, lots of copy writing lots, <laughs> lots of emails. So I'm, I'm working on the emails that are going to be inviting people to the event and I'm working on some of the tools and what I'm going to share in the event in the, in the clinical leadership mastermind Facebook group. Some people might be watching this live stream from that group. Um, But um, so there's that. And then I'm working on the, the follow-up emails that are going to happen after the event, just giving people additional information about the school of clinical leadership once the live event happens. So again, to clarify, the clinical leadership roundtable is the free event that goes to the initial brainstorming. And then school of clinical leadership is the actual program why I'm going to be going to be offering the services. So I'm working on the follow up emails that are going to be leading people into that program who've participated in the roundtable that want more information. Yeah, are ready to start mapping out their next career move. So 
that is uh, what I'm working on. And a little bit with the Facebook ads, going back and forth with some messaging. That was kind of interesting, communicating with a copywriter through my Facebook ads person when I wasn't even clear on the message. So obviously the finished product was not good, which was, you know, not their fault because I wasn't communicating clearly. And I, we actually, before I got on this call, I just approved some copy for an ad that was looking pretty good. So it helps to get clarity. (laughs) You know, so, so, okay. So we did. And it was a huge momentous shift because everything that came out of you after that was like night and day. Right. Yeah. So if I said to you right now, Karen, what's the big promise for the program? The big promise is for them to get clarity and a plan on mapping out what their next career move is and making that happen. For who? Um, Through all of the micro experiments to be able to craft that, that ideal dream career that they want and kind of go on that journey. Except in order to do that, regardless of whether you're going to, you know, find a leadership position in whatever your current role is, or whether you're going to go start up your own business, or whether you're going to have a private practice, or whether you're going to whatever it's going to be, the program builds this foundation for you, builds this whole foundational understanding of like, how to be successful in this world, whatever path you're choosing to go on, and how to really refine that vision for yourself. So regardless of which micro experiments you try and, you know, which paths you try to go down, you're going to have this real foundational set of like, of um, skills and ways of looking at the world that is going to help you regardless. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's important. Okay. So next week we're going to be even closer, even closer, very close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the promotion will start have started for that live event. Yeah, it will. Very exciting. Yeah. All right. So what yeah. are we what are we hoping to have achieved by next week? Um, so by the end of next week, I want to have we'll have, you know, obviously all the invites to go out, the ads will be going. Um, and um the uh the follow-up emails. And the follow-up invites and all of that, a good part of that will be done. So I will be working on onboarding, like figuring out, I I do have a tentative plan about how I'm going to handle the first month, but working on potentially getting some, some guests and some other experts to leverage some other people's expertise. So that's that's where I hope to be at by the end of next week is to have all of the stuff done and scheduled and written so that I can start to focus on outreach. I am really antsy to get going on that visibility plan. So, yeah, yeah, that's exciting. So that's like, that's totally such a huge part of this next phase for you is really like starting to build out those muscles and, and like your collaboration in you and like your, you know, your, relationship building and all of us. Yeah. So basically we need the emails and like this, we need like the stuff done, the emails, the the stuff that needs to go out to people, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. The assets that you build when you're creating That's a new right. offer. All That's that right. stuff. Yeah. Okay. 
Super good. I love this stuff. Uh, I love the progress that you've made and the journey that you've been on. Um, and we will jump back on this live next week mm-hmm. and be very close, very close to that live event. Yep. All Very right. Cool. Okay. Well, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Before we wrap up, I wanted to share a couple important links based on some of the resources that I discussed in this episode today. So, first of all, to get more information about the Clinical Leadership Roundtable, which is the free event for clinicians that helps them map out their next stage in their career path, then you're going to want to go to drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash leadership roundtable. And if you want more information about the School of Clinical Leadership, which takes you on the next stage of your journey and actually gives you the tools and the strategies to walk you through that next stage in your career and actually make it happen, then definitely go to the School of Clinical Leadership enrollment page at at drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash leadership. And then finally, I will also share the links to where you can connect with Stephanie, including her YouTube channel and her LinkedIn profile, as well as her website at stephaniehayesbiz.com. I will share all of these links in the show notes because I know I've mentioned a lot of them today. Thank you again for listening and for being here. As always, please share this with your colleagues if you found it useful and leave us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts if you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much and I will see you in the next episode. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, 
get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.